Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Rick Barnizel on A New Normal Will Require Commitment. Now here is Pastor Rick. Good morning, good morning. I'm pretty sure that says wild thing. Don't you guys think it says wild thing? I think it does. It says wild thing. I, I'm sure it does. So, um, opening day of pie season the other day, right? Right? So, did everybody get their fill on pie? How many, how many of you get together with your whole family? How many of you have, like, somebody that's a little crazy in your family, right? Right? You got somebody? somebody no, not very. Okay, if, if everybody has somebody crazy in their family, so if you're sitting next to somebody who raised their hand and you didn't, uh, yeah, you might be that crazy person, right? So just don't look at them. Don't elbow them. Courtney, I saw that. Um, it happens. It happens. So you know what? Uh, Thanksgiving is great. We had some time with family. I know it was, it was fun. It was, it was very joyous. We went down to a little town called Prospect and uh, had a good time with some, with some family out in the middle of nowhere. So if you know where that is, then you're blessed because you've been all over Oregon. Um, you know what? Right now, Thanksgiving is a good time, right? Thanksgiving is fun, but it's also a part where we go into a new season. So we're getting ready to go into a new season of Christmas. We're going into a new season of change. Everything, the weather's going to change. Things are going to be different. And new stuff is fun. New stuff is fun, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes it can catch you off guard. Sometimes it can just be a lot, right? Well, one of the new things that's starting tomorrow is winter term for our Portland Ministry College. So we'll be praying for our students, you know, as they start winter term, it's going to be coming up. And if you remember at college, some of you are like, yeah, I remember college, I meant it. But uh, back in those college days, remember every term would start and it would be something new, new professors, new classes, new books, new schedule, and everything just gets thrown in an uproar for, you know, eight to 13 weeks, and then you start all over again. So, uh, so we'll be praying for them, starting a new season. We have... Uh, started that new term, we also have this idea of starting something new. So today, a new normal, we're going to be talking about commitment. And uh, commitment means when you start something new, you have to be committed to whatever it is, right? Have you ever started something that's a little silly, but you have to finish it? Because you start it, right? Now, there's other things that are a little more serious that once you start, you have to finish, like skydiving. Once, once, you, once you jump out of the plane, you're committed to landing. I mean, it's just, there's nothing to it. You just have to decide whether you're going to pull the cord or not, right? There's other silly things that we do sometimes. That there's always a moment in your life where you decide something. And once you decide, you're committed. Uh, some of you know that we, we just recently bought a house and uh, we're remodeling it. And when we got in there, there was this... Um, this odor that we did not enjoy. And so uh, we ripped out the carpet and did a bunch of cleaning and, and we ripped off the trim and you know, we like, you know, like doing this massive remodel. And at one point when we ripped everything down, I thought, what have we done? <laughs> but we're committed. You're committed. Once you're in it, you're committed. You have to finish or live in a remodel for a decade, right? So like it or not, we're doing this. And sometimes whether you know it or not, that level of commitment is a choice. You get to decide. And sometimes it might feel like it's forced upon you like skydiving, but you made the choice to get in the plane, you made the choice to jump, and now you're committed. And you have to decide whether you wanna stay committed or not. And here's the irony is if you don't stay committed, it causes damage. We see this in our world. We see the lack of commitment in family and the damage that it causes. Once you say, I do, you are committed, and God says, I do as well. And when you change your mind, it causes damage. 
if you skydive and decide not to stay committed, it causes damage at the end. You know, some people are like, yeah, I'm afraid of skydiving, afraid of falling. And I'm like, you shouldn't be afraid of falling or you shouldn't even be afraid of landing. It's that sudden bounce at the end that you need to be afraid of because that's what causes the damage. And it's the damage of the sudden twist. It's the sudden change in something that causes the damage. And when you're committed to something and you pull out, and our culture right now has this ingrained in who we are. Commitment is something that we just don't have anymore. We have a lack of commitment. We have a lack of commitment because we wanna do what pleases us. At the core of all of this, whether we wanna believe it or not, it's culture, it's ingrained in who we are, it's ingrained in our American way, my right to freedom, my right to do what I want to do, my right, my right, my, there's a lot of my in there. And when you have that, mentality, then all of a sudden you get to where we're at today. It's like, well, you just do you. You do what makes you happy. And it doesn't matter if it's the expense of other people. But you know, the irony is that is not commitment. That is not commitment. Commitment is staying at the same church for 50 years. Commitment is staying married even when things aren't going well in that season. I've been married 25 plus years, and I can tell you most of them have been great, but not all of them have been great. And sometimes I've had to persevere through and sometimes my wife has had to persevere through, right? And it's commitment. It's knowing that we're gonna commit through things no matter what, through the highs and the lows. Commitment is being charitable to others even when they don't deserve it or even when they're gonna squander it or even when you don't have everything you want or you need, you think you need, you're still committed to being charitable to others. That is commitment. Commitment is a single mom that chooses to quit her job and go to college because of a calling. That is commitment. Look at your neighbor and say, be committed. Be committed. Now, now, say, it, now say it like you mean it. Say, look at your neighbor and say, be committed. All right. Let's get into the word a little bit, all right? Pastor Bill's been taking us on this journey through a new normal. We're in Joshua 14, like he said. And so a new normal, as you have already heard, will require commitment. So that's the title of our message. Joshua 14, nine through 14. And I just wanna read the word. So on that day, Moses swore to me, this is, this is Caleb talking, the land on which you, your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron was, belonged to Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for the word, Lord. We thank you for the word that goes forth, God, Lord. And Lord, may we just hear what you have for us this morning, God. May our ears be open to your word, Lord. May we be committed to what you have for us this morning, God. God, may we set aside our own agendas, our own likes, in Jesus' name, amen. So Caleb, you look at this and you say, well, yeah, I can see the commitments in there, but you know what? Wholeheartedly, what does wholeheartedly mean? Because that's not a word we typically use today. Wholeheartedly means that we're completely dedicated and committed. That's what wholeheartedly means. And commitment is something that has changed over time. But the true definition of commitment is that you look at this and you say, what is commitment? That commitment is being obligated to the point of restricting your own freedom. 
When one is committed to a cause, they are dedicated, fully engaged, and even obligated to the point of restricting their own freedom. When you're committed, you're going to restrict your freedom. You, you know, you see this in relationships. When you're committed to somebody, there's going to be a time when they need you. There's going to be a time when they need something from you and you're not going to be able to do what you want, when you want, how you want. Why? Because you're committed to them. When you're committed to a cause, you give up your own freedom. When you're committed to work, for example, there are days you don't feel like going to work and you get up and you go anyways. Why? Because you're committed to getting a paycheck. You're committed to having food on the table, right? There are times that in, in our life and in our walk and in our journey, I mean, maybe not you, but I know there's been times when I don't feel like coming to church, but I'm committed. And I know that the word of God is going to be preached. And I know that the, the sovereignty of God is going to be there. And I know the spirit of God is going to be there. And I want to be in that presence. And now knowing that we can get his presence anywhere, but there's something about corporate worship together, that there's something about being together, knowing that we are the body of Christ. And yes, we can do that at home and we can do that online for a season. But I think we've been through this season long enough that we all know that there's something different about being together. The commitment of coming the commitment of showing up, the commitment of setting aside something and giving something up, that is commitment. And Caleb was committed. Caleb was committed to something that God had promised him, even though he knew it would cost him. This is hard to accept because we don't like our freedom to be restricted. We don't, we don't want to be obligated. We want to be loose and free. And you can see this. I mean, I don't know. How many of you have ever tried to do something where you RSVP these days, right? Who are SVPs? Like a few people, but most of the time what happens? No one. When you try to do a sign up, when you try to say, oh, who's all gonna come so I can plan and prepare ahead? No one wants to commit, why? Because they wanna see who else is coming. They wanna see what else is on their plate. They wanna see if maybe something better comes along later that they wanna go to instead. That is the reality of what happens. So even though I know that event is on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, I'm not sure I want to go yet because something better might come along. So I don't really want to commit yet. And then if I do commit and something better comes along, I just kind of want to politely bow out. We do it in little things. And I can tell you that the little things that we don't commit in create big things that we don't commit in. It just bleeds over. The Bible is very clear about, you know what, to who much is given, much is required. And when he gives you a little bit, He'll give you a lot. So I just want to challenge you with this idea that sometimes when we think through these things, it's really easy. It's really easy to come to church. It's really easy to hear these things sometimes and go, you know what, that relates to somebody else and that's not me. But I want to challenge you this morning to own this. To own the fact that the lack of commitment in our society, and if you don't believe there's no lack of commitment, then I guess that's a bigger challenge. But we can't sit here and go, you know what? We don't have loyalty in our society. We don't have commitment in our society. And I think everybody would raise their hand. And then if I said, how many of you are not committed? Probably no one would raise their hand. Why? Because we always think it's somebody else. If we don't have loyalty, if we don't have commitment in our society, guess what? It's us because it's our society. It can't always be someone else. So I just want to challenge you a little bit to think through this and say, how does this relate to me? And what in my life am I not committed to? What in my life, maybe in the small things that actually lead to bigger things, do I need to own? Do I need to say, God, help me be committed. Help me, God, to persevere. This passage, when you look at this, relates back to Deuteronomy 1, 26, and we're going to get there. 
If we were to change this, if we were to look at this thing and say, what does this commitment mean? And we were to change this passage, here's how it would read. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kizanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. And we scratch it out and say, with complete sincerity and being dedicated, engaged, and obligated to the point of restricting his freedom of action. That's what wholeheartedly means. That's the whole thing of commitment. It's going to restrict you. It's going to cost you. And I can tell you that for most of us, we don't like that. I want the commitment to give me something. What can I get out of this? The preacher didn't speak to me this week, so I didn't really get anything out of the sermon. I didn't really get anything out of worship. It wasn't for me. Guess what? It might not have been. It may have been for somebody else, but you know what? You got to look at that and say, if it's never for you, then why is that? Caleb looked at it and said, this is for me. This is my promise. This is my blessing. So I want to pull out four strategies out of this verse. You guys ready? All right. Are you ready? Let's go. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one, persevere. This is something that's really hard to do sometimes. Persevere. Caleb did this from the moment he left Egypt through the wilderness. He walked in. He was with God. He said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do things. We know that he went in. He went with the spies. He was given this promise way back then. And God said, you know what? I'm going to be with you. And Caleb followed him wholeheartedly. We know that when we look through this, that Caleb also was with Moses. And he would stay in the tents long with Joshua, right? And they would be ready and they'd be always persevering through things. Through the 40 years of watering in the wilderness, Caleb was like, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be adjusting. I'm going to be doing the things that God has called me to do. So we look at this, God had given him the land, but the other spies weren't ready to go. And here's the interesting thing is that Caleb went in and he looked at the land. He looked at the area that was the most fortified because if you know anything about battle strategy, nobody wants to conquer the hill. We want to conquer the lowlands. We want to conquer the easy stuff first. Nobody wants to go conquer the fortified cities that are on a hill. And Caleb looks at it and goes, man, those are fortified. They're on a hill. And those people, those Anakites are huge. The Bible just told us that. And he's like, that's what I want. And Caleb comes back and goes, we can take them. And all the other 10 spies that went out through the lowlands of, you know, they went out there and they're like, I don't know. Those guys are huge and they're big. And I don't think we can do it. And Caleb's like, yes, we can. God is with us. We can do this. And, the, and Moses is like, we're not going to do this. But God said, don't worry, Caleb. I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to give you that land. And he persevered. We see this in Joshua 14, 9. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. This, my friends, is what we call perseverance. I don't know how many of you have waited 45 years for a promise, but that is perseverance. That is grit. That is what we, in the Marines, we call that intestinal fortitude. That is something that you just reach down and you grab something in your soul and you say, I'm going to hang on to that promise no matter how long it takes. I'm going to hang on to that promise from God and I'm going to persevere through everything. I'm going to walk through the wilderness. I'm going to walk through the bitter water of Mara. I'm going to walk through the manna. I'm going to walk through all of that stuff. I'm going to walk through the, the lack. I'm going to walk through the plenty and I'm going to walk through all of that and know that God has a promise for me and I'm going to persevere through that no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes because my God made a promise to me. Some of you have a promise today and you think that it's behind you. You think that maybe you're too old or maybe you're too young or maybe it's not quite yet or maybe I don't know what, all kinds of things that go through our head that cause doubt. And God says he has a promise for you and what you need is a little bit of perseverance. When, we, when I was in the Marines, we would run and I would sing Isaiah 40, 30 and 31 through my head all the time. If you know that, it's like those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will run and not grow weary. And I'm like, I'm growing weary, right? But they would run and not grow weary, not grow weary, not grow weary. And I would sing that over and over and over and over. And I remember when we would run, we never knew how far we were gonna run. We didn't know if we're gonna run three miles or 30 miles. We didn't know if we're gonna have the backpack or no backpack. We didn't know if we're gonna carry the backpack the whole way or ditch it halfway through and then keep running. We never knew. But I always remember thinking, because I was usually in the front and I'd look out and I would say, as soon as we get to that corner, we're gonna be done. And we'd round the corner, I'm like, as soon as we get to that corner, we're gonna be done. And we'd round the corner, as soon as we get to that corner, we're gonna be done. And that was the only thing that made me carry through. And I wanna tell you that some of you, you just need to get to the corner because one day it'll be true. One day you'll get to the corner and you'll stop and you'll be like, hallelujah, I made it. But sometimes we stop right before the corner when we're gonna stop and we're like, I can't do it, I can't make it. And God's like, just one more corner. Can I encourage you to go one more corner? Can I encourage you to persevere, whatever that is in your life, whether that's your marriage, whether that's your relationships that you're having, whether that's your finances, can you just persevere and go one more corner? Just keep looking and just keep gritting it out and say, my God is for me. My God has a promise for me. And I'm going to get that promise because it's just around the next corner. I just had Pocahontas go through my head. You know, just around the river bit. Sorry. Um, All right. Back on track. Back on track. All right. One more corner. One more corner, right? So sometimes we have to persevere. We have to grit it out. Sometimes God is with us and we have to know in your knower that God will persevere and he will be with you and you have to do your part. We have to do our part, church. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That is perseverance. Now, I know some of you, and I'm not going to name some names, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) but some of you like me, you don't know the difference between perseverance and stubbornness, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm persevering. Your life's like, no, you're just stubborn. All right. So sometimes we got to let things go. We got to let things go and we don't want to let them go. But sometimes don't confuse the two. There's a difference between persevering through your issues and knowing that God's going to be with you and being stubborn in a situation that's not going to change or is changing and you can't change it, but you don't want it to. Sometimes you're just fighting against God. And that's not perseverance. That's stubbornness. So how do you know the difference? Well, we're going to get there, right? So I know some of you are thinking, yeah, you're like, when, as soon as I said stubborn, you, I, you know, some people are like, oh, well, the person next to him. We need to persevere. Why? Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces what? Hope. Sometimes we need to persevere so we can have hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to me, be given to us, been given to you to persevere. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, I think that sometimes we look at things and we want everything to be easy. Like, why is everything not easy? I can tell you that we know this physically. 
We know physically, a lot of times we can look at things that we do, like when we work out and we do things, we know the good pain. We know the good hurt, right? Sometimes when you're working out, like, yeah, my muscles are sore from working out. My, my stomach gets sore, my side, why? Because I'm out of shape. When, when you're running or doing these exercises, you're like, and you're just like, okay, I just need to keep pushing through. And other times you have a bad pain and you like throw your shoulder out like I did a few years ago, right? And, you throw, and you're like, that's a bad pain and I need to take it easy. So we know that physically. I think the problem is sometimes emotionally and spiritually, we confuse the two. And sometimes emotionally and spiritually, there's a good pain. Why? Because you're growing that muscle, because you need to persevere, because you need to push through that. And sometimes you just need to lean into it and you just need to push a little harder and persevere through that because emotionally, and spiritually, you're growing. The scripture says that. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So every time we run into something emotionally or spiritually that's a challenge, if we try to fade away from it because like, oh my God is good and he's gonna do everything for me and he's not gonna make me go through anything tough, I think that we need to lean into these verses and realize that sometimes we need to go through tough stuff. Why? So that we can grow up. Can I just cut to the chase? That's what that means. You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's like Jesus is like being very polite. That's the way he's saying, he's like, hey, you need to grow up. And sometimes we need to grow up. And so sometimes we go through things that we need to persevere through so that we can do what? So that we can grow up and be mature in our faith, be mature emotionally and spiritually. Now that doesn't make it easy. That makes it tough, I know. Sometimes we just need to keep on running, amen? Amen. All right, our second P for today. Now, I'll admit, I don't have a second P. All right, I'm not that smart. Sorry, Pastor Bill. <laughs> we have an R, ready. All right, so we gotta be ready. Commitment means being ready. So look at the next verse. So look at, that was, we were, in, uh, we were just in verse nine. Now we're in verse 10 and 11. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. This is an amazing testimony, not only perseverance, but being ready. He's like, that was 45 years ago, and God gave me that promise, and I'm ready. I'm ready to take the hill country. I'm ready to get that blessing that God has given me. And, and he looks at this, and he says he knew that he had to be ready, but he also knew what God had for him. He knew what it meant. He knew that he had to be ready. In the Marines, and I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but when I was reading through this verse, a lot of this stuff like took me back to the Marine Corps. And I'm like, okay, I can't make everything about the Marines, but this is about battle. This is about strategy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So, so in the Marines, we always had to be ready. Always had to be ready. And it didn't matter if it was a three-second readiness when we were on a patrol or if it was sitting at home on the couch and they would call us up and say, you need to be ready to go out of country. Get your fares in order, pack your bags, quit your job, tell, say goodbye to your wife, make sure you have your POA in order and leave, right? POA is a power of attorney so your wife could do things while you're gone, like sign your death certificate, right? So uh, <laughs> some of you are like, oh, that's gruesome. Sorry, that was like a bad joke. All right, so anyway, but you had to, you had to be ready to go. You had to be ready to go at all times. And here Caleb is ready. He's like, it was 45 years ago that God gave me this promise, but I am ready to go. I want that promise. I want that blessing. How many of you have a blessing that you want and you're ready for God to give it to you? And you're like, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Yes. I know some of you are like, yes, I am. Guess what? When you get ready, there's something that's going to happen. Now, guess what? Caleb didn't say, hey, I'm ready for my blessing. You guys go get that and then give it to me. 
He's like, I'm just as strong as I was then. He's, no, he's not only ready to receive his blessing, he's ready to do what it takes to get his blessing. You know what I'm talking about? When you have to be ready, you have to be ready. When Pastor Bill was preaching on Jericho and stuff, he talked about that. And he's like, you know, in that message, it was like, and I know Pastor Matt mentioned it as well. It's like, hey, God had already given him that blessing. He said, you're going to go get Jericho but you're gonna have to march around the wall six times for six days, and seven times on the seventh day, and then the walls are gonna crumble, and then you're gonna go in. But guess what? You've already been given that. That's already your blessing. Here Caleb is standing there today saying, that's my blessing, God already gave it to me, and I'm ready to go get it. Sometimes we gotta go get it. You're like ready for that financial blessing. Are you really ready? Have you really prepared yourself for that? You're like, I'm ready to receive, but have you prepared yourself financially to be ready for that blessing that's gonna come and the consequences that come with it? Are you really ready for some of those things? Because guess what? It's gonna cost something. It doesn't just happen to come upon you while you're laying on the couch. It happens to come upon you when you prepare and you get ready because the idea in Isaiah 40 that says, those who wait upon the Lord, that's an act of waiting. When you go to a restaurant, how many of you have had a, a waiter who waits on you and you never see them? Like, that's not waiting, they're not around. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're like attentive. You're like ready. You're like standing there like, what do you need? What can I do? Where are you at? What's going on? What can I join you in? That's being ready. You're waiting on the Lord. And sometimes when we need to be ready, we need to be ready. We need to be standing there. We went on missions trips in Cambodia and the waiters, they didn't, they didn't come to you and ask you if you need anything, but they just kind of stood off to the side and you could just raise your hand and they would, they would just come wait on you. Like they were like standing there just ready. And it was weird for us because we were used to people like coming, do you need anything? And just checking on us and pampering us in the United States. And then they didn't do that. They just stood off to the side and you're like, you would wave them over and they'd come. They were ready though. They just stood there ready to come do what you needed to be done. That is wedding. That is being ready. So when you, when you say, God, I'm ready, are you really ready? Are you really ready? We need to be ready, church. Something's good is coming. Something great is coming. And if we're not ready for it, we're going to miss the blessing because all of a sudden we're going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. I got to go. I got to go march. Like we talked about, I got to go march. I got, I got to go attack that city. I thought you were going to give it to me. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And you're going to have to be persevere through those challenges and know that with that blessing comes a challenge. Something's going to happen and you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready for that fight because nothing comes easy because there's a devil. There's an adversary out there who says, you know what? I'm going to block all this stuff. So when that blessing comes, be prepared for it to be blocked. Be prepared for a challenge to come. Be ready, be ready for something to happen different that you didn't expect. Be ready to keep rowing and rowing and going and going and saying the next quarter, the next quarter, because I'm going to persevere because I'm ready for that blessing. I'm ready for that change. I'm ready for what God has for me. And I know that it's going to cost, but I'm going to persevere through it anyways because I'm ready for it. We need to be ready. Third, adjust. Adjust. We would say adapt and overcome in the Marines, but adjust. That means you take what you have and you do what you can with it. You're going to adjust. The next verse, Joshua 14, 12. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Caleb said, Lord helping me. Now, if you skip forward a verse to chapter 15, this is where it's not really in the context of this, but you see Caleb adjust. 
Now, Caleb does go get some cities, but you know what else he does? He offers his daughter his inheritance. And I know some of you, I'm not trying to get into the, the political things and all the things that are going on right now, but that was the way it was back then. And he offers his daughter for an inheritance and somebody steps up, Othniel, who becomes the next judge you see in Judges 3, one of the first judges of Israel, I think the first judge. And he steps up and says, I'll take that hill country. I'll take that for you, Caleb. I'll go get that and I'll go get it for you. Because the same thing, whether Caleb had it or his daughter had it, it was him having it. And it was his blessing. It was his inheritance. And Othniel steps up and he takes the country. Why? Because Caleb adjusted. What do you, why do I think that is important? I think honestly that Caleb looked at that and he said, I am 85. I'm still strong as I was then, but I'm not. But I can take it. I can make it happen. I'm going to do it. And I think that he looked around and he got his warriors fired up and he said, let's go get the hill country. And he led him into battle for a, few, for a few cities. And then he's like, okay, somebody else's turn. I'm gonna pass the baton. I'm gonna adjust. I'm gonna do things a little bit differently because I can't keep doing this. And he adjusted and he looked at Othniel and he said, you go get him. And Othniel said, okay. And he just released him and let him go. He adjusted to what was going on around him. We have to adjust. Right now we're in the midst of a move as you guys know, and I mentioned that earlier, and we're remodeling, and we ripped out all the carpet, and we're you know, living on Park Overlord, waiting for our floors to come in. And we live in a nice area. There's a lot of pine needles, a lot of, or fur needles, actually, the little tiny ones, you know, that go everywhere, and they get in everything, and then you pack them in your shoes and all over your house. So we're doing a lot of sweeping because there's particle board floors, right? So we're sweeping a lot. When the new cozy carpet comes, we're going to have to adjust to a vacuum cleaner, but I'm looking forward to it, right? I'm looking forward to that time, right? <laughs> you have to adjust to what's coming on because the method of the broom is not what we're committed to. The mission of keeping the floors clean is what we're committed to. And that mission is going to require us to adjust our method to make it happen. But we're committed to it. It's going to happen. We're committed to keeping the gutters clean. It's going to happen. But those needles get everywhere. So you have to keep battling it. You have to keep fighting it if that's something you want, right? So we're going to adjust and we're looking forward to the adjustment. But I know it's going to be frustrating. I know it's going to bring challenges. I know it's going to want to not persevere. It's going to want to quit and give up, but we won't. So God, that's what, that's what friends, that's what God is calling us to. To persevere, to be ready, and to adjust. That's what we need to do. That's what commitment is. Caleb was a wise leader, faithful, wholeheartedly following God. He persevered through that time. He was committed. We need to stay focused on the mission, not the methods. Focused on the mission, not the methods. Persevere through the mission. Don't be stubborn on the method. That's the difference. When you stay stubborn on the method, you're not persevering to the mission. You're just being stuck in your ways. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. And I know we've all been guilty of it. And I know I'll be called out on it by my wife and my son, because I will do it. <laughs> I will have a method that I enjoy that they'll be like, you got to get over that method because the mission is this. <sighs> I'll eat my words. So that's what happens when you preach. You eat your words. That's what happened, right? Is that, I don't know if that happened to anybody else. Pastor Jason, never happened to you? I know Pastor Sarah never does that to Pastor Matt, but you know, I know other people do. So lastly, the fourth thing on this that we wanna, that we wanna look at is yield, yield. Look at the first half of verse 12, Joshua 14, 12a. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Who's he asking? 
He's asking Joshua. Caleb is asking Joshua to give me the hill country that God had already promised me. Who's he yielding to? He's yielding to his leader. He's yielding to Joshua. I think that's interesting. Then we skip to verse 13 and 14. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and gave him the hill country as his inheritance because he followed God wholeheartedly. Caleb not only yields to God and Moses for 40 years, then the time finally comes and he's there and he yields again to Joshua, the new leader, and says, will you give me this blessing? Will you give me what God has called, what God has already given me? Will you do what God has promised? And Joshua says, yes, go get them. I know some of you have probably done the math on this, right? You know, like a lot of math wizards in here. When you look at this, you know that, that Caleb was 40, right? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now you look at this, so why is he 85? Where'd the five years go? You know, some Bible scholars look at that and say, you know what really happened? This was five years after they entered the promised land. This was five years after some of the other tribes have already gotten their countries. They'd already gotten part of their inheritance. Caleb was there. He was fighting. He was helping them get their allotments because the tribe came first. And he's like, now that the tribes are start kind of settled and here I am 85 years old, now it's my turn. He wasn't first. It wasn't like walls of Jericho fell down and Caleb's like, okay, I'm 80. I want my country. I want my inheritance. No, he kept fighting. He kept going with them. That's what most people believe that he helped the other 12 tribes get what they wanted. And then he's like, okay, now that we're settled, now that Judah's kind of settled, but not quite. Why? Because we still haven't conquered the hill country. And that was promised to me. Now it's my turn. After the tribes after the country, after the nation, after what God promises everybody else. He's like, okay, there's another promise. It was a promise to me. Caleb yielded. He yielded to the authorities. He yielded to what God wanted and he waited for the right time. Sometimes we get ahead of things. You know, that old saying, you get the cart ahead of the horse, right? Sometimes we get ahead of things and we want what we want right now. I don't know about you, but there's been some things that God has promised me and I wanted them as soon as the promise hit. And when I realized like, oh, that's not for right now, I was like, wait a minute, what do I need to do to persevere? What do I need to do to get ready? Because sometimes God has a blessing for you and we're not ready for it. We're not ready for it. So we have to yield. We have to yield to the authorities around us who hear from God. Romans 13, lean into that and say, at some point, God will come through. God will always does what he wants to do. God will always deliver. God will always give you his promise. God will always follow through. But we have to do our part. Everyone say yield. 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 We don't like that in America either. <laughs> We're founded on rebellion. We're founded on doing what we want. We're founded on our rights. We don't like to yield. But you know what, friends? That is what scripture has called us to do. And I know it's hard. But that's what we're called to do. We're Christian first, American second. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Change will require commitment. Commitment to the mission at hand. Our mission, reaching the lost, the hurting, the lonely. Our methods don't really matter. They're going to change. They're going to fade. Our mission, pointing people to Christ who can give them love, mercy, grace, who can set them free, give them eternal salvation. That, my friends, is our mission. In order to be committed, we need to persevere. We need to be ready. We need to adjust, and we need to yield. Now, when you look at these things, you're going to see it maybe some of you have realized this is an acronym for pray. You take the first letter of each word, and it says pray. 
If you want to be committed, you need to be in prayer. You need to pray. The way to persevere, the way to be ready, the way to adjust, the way to yield is to be in prayer. That communing with God, that commitment to God, that, that relationship of communing and talking with God, that's all prayer is. So don't make it complicated. You don't, have to, you don't have to pray in some heavenly language all the time. You can just talk to God like you're talking to one of your homies if you want or however you normally talk. He's, he's a God. He can handle your issues. He can handle the things you're already thinking in your head anyways. So don't make it complicated. It's just simply talking with God. It's not talking to God. It's talking with God. So sometimes you need to and that's praying to God. What do you have for me? God, help me to hold my tongue long enough to hear what you have to say because God will speak to you. God will speak to you through his word, through his people. God will speak to you directly in a, in a tone maybe that you've, maybe for some people you've heard an audible voice of God and you're like, I knew that was God. And for others, it was your mom, but you know, it sounded like God, right? So that's just the way it works, right? It happens. That's prayer, communing with God, just talking with God. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. He will help us focus on our mission instead of being distracted by our choice of methods. He will help us persevere, be ready, adjust, and yield. You know, I think there's people here today that are saying, you know what? I have commitment issues. I've been committed to the wrong things because I've been stubborn instead of, instead of looking at what God has. I've been committed to some things that maybe I just need to let go. We're gonna pray with you this morning because I know that God wants us to set our feet on the solid rock. He wants us to move forward. He wants what's good for us. He has a blessing for us. He has something new for us, not only corporately as a church, but for you individually. God is taking us on a journey, not only individually, but collectively together to do something different. And that's gonna require other people in this room to adjust, to persevere, to be ready, to yield. You're gonna to have to yield some things that you don't wanna yield. You're gonna to have to adjust some things that you don't wanna adjust, but God has called us to do that. And for others, it's more personal. You're like, I don't, I don't know about this God. I don't know about this God that you're talking about. I don't know about this commitment. I haven't made that commitment yet. For some of you made that commitment long ago and you need to recommit today because, because that commitment that you made, you were, you were in it wholeheartedly then, but you've lost focus because you've been distracted by methods instead of mission. And, and God's saying, let's get back on mission and let the methods take care of themselves. So be committed to the mission. And some of you are like, I haven't even joined the mission yet. I don't even know what that is. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. He wants you to be released. He wants you to be set free. He wants eternal life. He wants you to find forgiveness. He has something powerful for you. Being committed is not easy, but it is what God has called us to. You need to identify the truth in you that will set you free. You need to say, I am disciplined. Christ is greater in me than what is in the world. I am innovative, blessed, driven because he dwells in me, because he dwells in me. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. God has given you whole thoughts, 
Nuthos. Declare what is true about you in Christ because that is what matters. Not what you hear in your head and oftentimes not even what other people tell you because Caleb, if he would have listened to the 10, he would have given up and he said, no, God said we can take that country and I'm gonna take that country one day and I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna persevere. I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna adjust. I'm gonna yield in spite of what the 10 around me said. So if God has given you a promise, you know what? You need to yield to authorities, but sometimes they don't always have what God has for you. So you listen to God first. Amen. And you go after that. You take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. That is what is in you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And you can have that power. You can have that strength, that endowment to witness to the lost, to reach the lonely, the hurting. That is what we're here for, not to have our own little backstroked. It's about the hurting and the lost. And maybe you're here today and you're hurting and lost and you need this God to reach down, to reach in and just grab your heart and squeeze you and love you and tell you that you're okay. That he has a plan. He has a purpose for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to bless you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to know that you can go and have eternal life because that is his promise. That is his hope. You are not a slave to your habits. You're not a prisoner to your addictions. Your past does not define you because God has a plan and a purpose for you. Amen? Friends, will you stand with me as we close in prayer? Whether that's right now or that was somewhere in the past, you've been ripped from the power of darkness because there's a God in heaven who loves you. There's a God in heaven who sent his son. You wanna talk about commitment? He sent his son to die. His son who walked into the garden of Gethsemane and sweated blood and said, you know what? I don't really want to do this, God, but if it's your will, may my will be done because you know what? I want your will to be done, Father. I want your will. Why? Because of all mankind. Romans 5, 8 says, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And he went and he died on the cross for us, for you, so that we can have eternal life. That, my friends, is commitment. Commitment to the cross. Commitment to the grave and commitment to rise again, to give you a glorious hope and a future, a plan and a promise to say, I have conquered death. I have conquered grave. I had conquered all those things for you. So I don't know if this is your first time or your hundredth time, but I just want to pray together that God would be with us, that God would give us that commitment in our hearts and in our minds to say, you know what? We don't want to be committed to our methods. We want to be committed to the mission of God. And I know it's Thanksgiving and I'm probably preaching to the choir because you guys are like, yeah, I'm committed. I'm here on after Thanksgiving. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to be committed to something a little different because that's what we're talking about this morning. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are committed to the cross to die for us, Lord. And God, we thank you that you're here, that your spirit moves in us and through us, Lord. That, Lord, that we can pray and commune with you, that we can feel your spirit, Lord. That we will persevere, Lord. That we are ready to receive our blessing. We're ready to adjust our methods, Lord. We're ready to yield to you, God, for what you have for us, God. So, Lord, help us to be committed to what's coming. Help us to be committed to where we're going. Help us to be committed to, to the life in Christ, Lord. That when those troubles come towards us, Lord, that we will persevere because perseverance will bring character, will mature us and give us hope. So we thank you for that, God. Friends, we just pray this prayer with me. Father God, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. I believe that you died for me. Rose again. 
so that I may have new life. Thank you for that new life. Thank you for that hope. I commit my life to you from this day forward. And God, just as Caleb prayed, help me stay committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.